Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Listening to Funky Monkey MMA. Welcome back to another edition of Funky Monkey MMA. I am Kane Miller and I am joined by the head of our site, Rob Mead. Our guest today is an undefeated prospect who is scheduled to make his UFC debut at UFC on Fox 21 on August 27th. Please help me welcome Jeremy Kennedy. Jeremy, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me on, man. Of course. Now, uh, like we said, you were scheduled to make your UFC debut on this Saturday's Fox card. Uh, however, your original opponent, Josh Emmett, was forced out of the fight due to, due to an injury. Uh, can we just get some more details about this predicament from your point of view? Uh, when did you find out about it, and what was your initial reaction? Yeah, man, it uh, kind of caught me off guard just with uh, like with how late it was coming in, like Friday before fight week, you know? So it's pretty much like the last possible few days of somebody getting injured during training because everything after this weekend you know is pretty pretty light stuff so I mean yeah it caught me off guard for sure and uh I didn't actually hear it until I had a friend of mine text me saying oh go did you how are you handling it and I kind of said like handling what you know and then they sent me like an article of him pulling out like I hadn't even heard about it until I mean like some media places were posting about it so uh yeah, but it was a quick it was a quick turnaround, man. By by the time I confirmed it with my manager, I like I asked him saying like, "Hey, I heard Josh is hurt." And he said, "Yeah," and he sent me the the other opponent already like, you know, within an hour I'd found out that my opponent was had pulled out and I had a replacement opponent. So, uh yeah, it wasn't it wasn't like I was sitting around with no fight for a while or anything like that. It was just nothing really changed. Just a different person is all. Now, with that change, does that affect your camp in any way? Uh, no, I mean, it, it can't really, like, I can't let it even think like that. I mean, like, the camp's over now. I have one week, and that's just typically light stuff anyways. So I'm changing up a little bit of my drilling just because, I mean, the new opponent, Alex Ricci, is, is two inches taller, and he's a bit more of a striker rather than Emmett, who's a bit more of a wrestler, you know. So a uh, little bit changes there just on some tendencies I've seen that this, this new Alex guy likes to do, but... Aside from that, I mean, I'm in the shape I'm in. I'm, uh, I've am i worked on the stuff I've worked on, and there's no going back and trying to change anything. You know, it's just I'm, I'm ready to fight. I'm going to worry about what I'm doing and not so much about who's standing across from me kind of thing. Yeah, and, you know, so can we kind of get like, kind of your thoughts on your opponent now? How do you feel you match up with him stylistically? I mean, I think I, I match up with him great. I, I thought I matched up good with, with Emmett as well. You know, I think I, I match up even better with, with Alex now. He's a guy who likes to stand right in front of you, you know, and throw throw punches and kicks. He's got a lot of a lot of Muay Thai fights from what I've seen. I mean, I haven't done too much digging just because, like I said, there's no real time to try to prepare for a specific opponent anymore. So just watching footage on him would just be that, you know, it'd just be watching footage. It wouldn't really be very beneficial, you know. I mean, it helps a little bit, but uh, 
yeah, he's a little bit taller and he's more of a Muay Thai fighter, you know, so I don't think he'll have the same wrestling as Emmett has, but I think he'll have a bit better striking. Yeah, yeah, and you'll actually, you know, you'll be, you'll be moving up from 145 pounds for this fight, right? Yeah, yeah, to 155 here. Yeah, so what prompted this uh, decision, especially for a promotional debut? Uh, that, that's that's what they was offered, you know, they, they, they don't have any room at 45, so uh, they said, you know, like, you can wait around and, and wait till there's room, which could take up to a year, a year and a half, or uh, or you could jump right in at the 55s, and, you know... I just I had to I had to bite on that you know they're coming to my hometown I I just think it's best possible case scenario is me making my debut in my hometown in front of my my own my home crowd you know so if it's ten pounds that they they want um you know I'll, I'll give them the ten pounds and uh, I was never I was never a small forty fiver you know I'm I'm six foot so my my height my frame it, it matches up well with these lightweights you know so uh, I'm not I'm not too worried about it. Now, taking us back oh, to this, uh, you know, the oh. first, you know, when you first got involved in the sport, did you ever see yourself coming to this bar? You know, did you ever see yourself making it to the UFC at that point in time? I mean, no, not when I first started. I mean, I, I got into it just because it was, you know, something to do, and I, I loved doing it at such a young age. But uh, as I started to get older, you know, my I, I've had 17 fights now, nine as an amateur and eight as eight pro, and you know, near the the, the later part of my amateur career. I was winning a couple, you know, regional titles and figured, you know, I, I want to give a good go at this. And uh, and I had people, a lot of people scouting me early on as, you know, saying like, oh, you have the potential to go to the UFC. But that was always kind of like a, you know, like a pipe dream in a sense where it's a hockey player saying he's going to go to the NHL, you know. And uh, once, once I started racking up those pro wins, you know, and, and getting up there and getting in the talks with the UFC and stuff like that, it really became – a reality like wow this this could be a career now you know so uh this is just the first step you know making the debut getting there was hard but staying here is even harder you know so the work has has just begun in my in my mind yeah and you know even though the fight with Emmett isn't happening this time around would you eventually like to face him in the future possibly after this next fight I mean yeah of, of course I, I trained you know a full camp for that guy so I, I, it would be great, but I mean, the UFC has so many lightweights that, uh, and at our stage, our entry level stage, you know, he's one and zero in the UFC. I'm soon to be one and zero in the UFC. Uh, it, it doesn't really make sense for me to try to be be chasing around opponents. It's just gonna. There's so many guys that I can be fighting, that it's just really whoever the UFC offers me. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm personally hoping that uh, I can drop down to 45 again after this, but. I don't know if that's what the UFC wants, just because, like they said, there's no there's no room. So, if that's the case, I want to take a little time off and uh, make a permanent move up lightweight. You know, put a little bit of put a weight on, and uh, and then by that time, I mean whoever whoever's there, if it is Emmett, it's Emmett. If if not, who knows what his timetable is? You know, he might be booking a fight when I'm just finishing this fight, or 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 anything like that. You know, I'm not going to really schedule myself around around him. It's just going to be whoever the UFC gives me with how many lightweights they have, that shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. If you are given the chance to drop down to featherweight afterwards, is there a fight that interests you in that division? Oh man, that, that, that division is, uh, I've been scouting that for a long time. You know, like my, this whole sport's kind of taken over my life, you know, and I'm not training. I'm, I'm studying other guys. And like, I know every 45er in Canada that I, that had the possibility of fighting, you know, like they were all on my radar. And I, I scout the UFC too, just for uh, like something to do. You know, it's it's 
I don't watch too many fights that are in the UFC that are out of my weight class. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of the UFC, but it's 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 all watching featherweights and lightweights, you know. So there's tons of featherweights that I want to fight, you know. One that I want would be awesome would be uh, Yair Rodriguez. You know, he's got a lot of hype behind him, and uh, I just think that'd be cool. You know, he's got a name, and he's he's a 45er, and that'd be a perfect way to get me into that division. But I, I've I've got a pretty big task ahead of me just making my debut you know so I, I can't really be thinking about featherweight when I've got a lightweight standing across from me who's uh who's definitely a tough challenge you know yeah, absolutely yeah definitely. and uh you know when it's all said and done uh what do you want people to remember you for at the end of your career at the end of the career um I hope it's that I'm the best fighter ever you know <laughs> I would say just that you know I, I was, I'm always game you know I never say no to any any fight and uh yeah you know any challenge not backing down and just getting after it being a scrappy fighter you know yeah and you know you are unbeaten with an eight and no record coming into the ufc what is it like being undefeated for your ufc debut does that add any extra pressure for you no i think it just i, I think it just helped me get to where i'm at you know it, being undefeated always helps getting you to the ufc now it, it doesn't really matter if i was eight and one or eight and two this fight would just be just as important as now that i'm eight no it's kind of like I'm 0-0 now, you know, it's your UFC record is what really counts. You see guys come in with these crazy, you know, 25 and three or whatever it is, and they can drop two in a row and they're gone, you know? So me being 8-0 right now, it, it means nothing. Like I'm, I'm 0-0 now. I'm just like when you turn amateur to pro, it's a different league. You know, your amateur record goes away and you're 0-0. And uh, that's the way I look at it right now. I'm, I'm 0-0 and I want to stay undefeated in the UFC. I want to be 1-0 by, by next weekend. Okay, yeah. And you have a pretty uh, interesting nickname. It's uh, Jeremy J.B.C. Kennedy. Uh, what does the J.B.C. stand for? Is there, like, any kind of story behind it or anything like that? Uh, yeah, it's uh, Junior Bacon Cheeseburger. Oh, okay. I, I was not <laughs> expecting that, but all right. <laughs> yeah, it's a long story. There's a Wendy's food franchise here. They have uh, Junior Bacon Cheeseburgers, right? And uh when I was really early in my career, I mean, I was like 16 years old fighting my first couple amateur fights, and uh, I was so bad with my diet. I was just eating McDonald's and, and stuff like that. I would still show up to training, but I was just I was just a kid, you know, and uh, the team I was on at the time, they were all in their 20s, and they're like, man, you got to start cleaning up your diet. You know, you got you to gotta take this seriously, and then so I, I, me being 16 and not knowing anything about nutrition and stuff like that, I... Uh, I was like, yeah, for sure. And then the next week, they're like, so, so how's your diet going? I was like, oh, it's good, man. I switched to Wendy's because I thought it was <laughs> healthier. <laughs> and so since then, they just called me JVC because I was the, the young kid on the team anyway, so junior. And, yeah, just the JVCs from Wendy's. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a pretty good story, and you know, you, you got to admit, I mean, it's a pretty original name. You know, you see, you got a lot, a lot of guys with you know similar nicknames that that run along in MMA. So I mean, I think having a, a pretty original nickname like that is is pretty important. Yeah, yeah, it's it's somebody like you don't see anybody else with that nickname, you know. So yeah. <laughs> now, uh, when you're not busy preparing for a fight, what are you doing outside of the ring? Man, it's it's like a lot of people call me pretty boring. You know, because like there's there's not much. You know, I uh, in fight camps, I'm I'm training and I'm I'm resting, watching you know Netflix or playing video games or whatever it is, but uh, not you know using too much energy. And outside of camp, it's I'm I'm doing I'm always outside. You know, on my if I'm training, I I, I really started liking mountain biking. You know, so I pick up that and uh, swimming. 
like trying to train for like triathlons and stuff like that. Similar to like the Diaz guys, they kind of inspired me in that way. You know, like you don't always have to be thinking about fighting, but it should always still be, you know, geared towards your career, right? Your fitness levels are super important. So for me, when I'm not, I'm not in fight camp and not hard sparring year round kind of thing. I'm, uh, I'm swimming or, or I'm, I'm mountain biking, doing trails and, and stuff like that, hiking and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's always really good to, to do stuff like that. That'll keep you active and make sure that your cardio is on point. And, you know, when you mentioned the Diaz brothers, it kind of reminded me of this. With you saying that you want to move down to featherweight next, that division is really in kind of a tricky situation right now. You have, you know, Connor has the belt, but he hasn't defended it yet. You have the interim title. That's with Aldo. Can we kind of get your thoughts on, like, how the champ, how the, the top of the division really is right now? Like, like, where do you see the division going from this point on? I mean, I think I think it only makes sense that uh, that uh, Connor either either goes down and makes 45 if he can't even make 45 anymore. I don't know if he can. He looked, you know, pretty pretty big and stocky. So uh, if he can, then go down and defend, unify the belts with Aldo and get that get that uh, division moving. And if not, you know, and he just makes the permanent move to 55, which what it kind of sounded like in his post fight interview last night, um, then you know, just go do that. Be a lightweight, but you know, let Aldo fight uh, Max Holloway for the title, and let that be the real champ, and then go move from there. I think. I think Max, you can't, you can't not give a title shot to Max Holloway, and uh, you can't let that division just hold up with how packed it is. You know. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, now the card that you're fighting on is headlined by a very interesting welterweight matchup between Carlos Condit and Damian Maya. Could we get your thoughts on that fight? Who do you see winning that main event? Um, I, I'm, I'm rooting for Maya. You know, I really like his style. I think he gets a, a lot of criticism for, for it, but I think it's just pure domination. You know, I think it's so cool that you see so many like brilliant strikers get such good approval and, you know, and praise. But then when you got a guy like Maya, who is essentially better than anybody you could put him against on the ground, I think that's just such a cool, you know, tool to have just being that much better than world champion black belt on the ground you know so i i want to see him go out there and, and dominate condit on the ground i know it sounds weird right everyone wants to see strikers and guys like that but i want to see condit go up i mean maya go out there and uh submit condit and you know with maya i mean he is like undoubtedly one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners in mma so how do you see him winning do you think that he'll be able to sub condit do you think he'll get the decision do you think he's going to surprise some people or uh, how do you see the fight playing out i i mean i could either see him catching a submission but condit condit is scrappy you know so i i could very well see it being a, a very decisive decision though you know where maya just smothering condit and not giving him much room Okay, yeah. Now, uh, when it was about 10 minutes before your fight, you're backstage, you know, you hear the crowd out there roaring. What's going through your head in that moment? Uh, just, just go time, you know. There's not much to think about in, in terms of, of uh, crowds or anything. It's just more of just making sure you're warmed up, you're feeling good, you're picturing yourself in the cage, you know, going through last-minute scenarios, you know, and you're just focused, you know. That's, that's all there is really to it. I'm not thinking too much about the the sound effects of the, the crowd were behind me. I'm just waiting for my music to turn on, you know? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, leading up to the fight, are, are you doing any visualization or, like, mental preparation leading into it? Yeah, that, that's a big part of my, my game. I really uh, – I, I think a lot 
you know, it's not, not too much in the fight, you know, it's a lot of instincts going on, but leading up to the fight, at least two, three weeks out, I'm, I'm every night when I go to bed, I'm, I'm picturing scenarios and each one I'm winning, you know, each, each exchange I'm winning, each clinch battle I'm, I'm winning or any kind of takedown I'm landing or any kind of takedown he's going, I'm stuffing just every possible scenario I'm picturing myself winning, you know, so that it makes it easier to happen when it does come, I think. And it's something that's helped for me a lot in the past. And just having that confidence going into the fight is is huge. Yeah, of course. And with this being your debut, you know, many fighters do struggle with those uh, UFC jitters, as many people put them. Is that something that is in your mind right now? Or are you not even really thinking about that? Do you think that you'll be affected by, by that in any way? I don't think so personally, you know, um, a lot of people say that and it obviously is evident if that many people talk about it and you always see here, Joe Rogan mention it and, and fighters who, who have their debut mention it. But for me, it's a little bit of a different story, I think, because, uh, when I fight here locally and I, I usually am the main event and, and it's, I've got a huge crowd of friends and family coming out and watching and they're always super loud and packed house. So it's, I'm used to that kind of pressure. And now with my fight being early on the card, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be a big sold-out arena there at the time of my fight. It's just going to be a lot of my friends and family, very similar to the, the local shows here, like 150 of my friends and family kind of screaming their hearts out. So it's, uh, I'm kind of used to that, and I think I can just picture myself being in there. And it's no, no different, just a little bit bigger of an arena and a couple extra people there, and that's about it, you know. Okay, yeah, definitely. See, yeah, you think that, like, just having, like, the hometown advantage and then just having, like, you know, this kind of close-knit audience of people is really going to kind of keep the nerves away? Yeah, I mean, like, the hometown crowd is not like them cheering me on is going to help, but it's it's more of the experience of me having that already. On all my previous fights here, it's always had the crowd kind of on my side, you know, and and, uh, it's a nice feeling to have, especially on my on the biggest stage in the world, it's going to be just an, like a, a, a release of an added pressure that I don't need of going into a hostile territory and having a big loud crowd going on or something like that. You know, it's, it's just going to like at that time, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm early prelims. I don't, I don't see it being a packed house. You know, I don't got to worry about the Rogers arena being sold out and freaking out about that or anything. The young athlete who wants to be like you one day, uh, what advice would you give to them? I would, I would just say, you know, like year-round training, year-round diet is, is key. You know, you can't be one of those fight camp fighters. You know, if you, you're, on, you're only in fight camp to get, like, in fight shape. You know, you're doing all your learning outside of your fights. But, I mean, you can't be eating whatever you want and then, oh, I got to – now I got to make weight and got to get in shape so I'm going to eat clean. You know, it should just be a lifestyle of – always eating that way and always training, maintaining your training all the time. You know, you don't have to burn yourself out, but just, you know, just training. Always be, be in the gym. You don't have to be going going balls to the wall and doing your crazy cardio and hard sparring rounds, but still be learning, you know, always improve. And then uh, that's just it, man. And, you know, follow your dreams. That's the only thing I've been doing. Just uh, no, having a goal and just every every decision in my life is towards that. Like like I was saying earlier on my uh, my my downtime my off season so to speak it's it's biking because that's still going to give my legs my endurance and 
it's swimming to help my lungs out and just stuff like that. Everything is still geared towards my end goal. And uh, yeah, you know, you touched a little bit of you touched a little bit about you know how tough the weight cut is and all that. Now, uh, is there a certain food that's you know like the hardest for you to avoid while you're cutting weight or? Ah, uh, hmm. I mean, you. It's weird when I'm when you're cutting the weight and you're not allowed to have sweets is when you when you crave them. But I mean, after a fight, the last thing I want is is you know any kind of sugar or sweets. I don't really care for it, but it's. When my body knows I can't have it, it seems to be craving it all the time. So uh, I, I, I always munch on substitute it with dried fruit. <laughs> it's definitely not nearly the same, but, I mean, it, it kind of helps cure the cur- um, craving. But then, once, the, like I said, once the fight's done, I don't. it's the last thing I'm thinking about. It's just super weird to me. But Okay, yeah. And, Cena, so, you know, with the fight taking place, with your opponent coming in on short notice, can we get a final prediction as to how you see yourself getting your hand raised on Saturday? Um, I, I've said in a lot of interviews, I don't, I don't really uh, have specific predictions, you know, of, of how I'm going to finish the guy, just because this fight could easily be drawn into a striking match as well. It could be a grappling match. Who, who, like, there's no real way to tell. But I definitely know that I can predict right now that I'm going to be winning next next Saturday. I'm going to be 1-0 in the UFC, you know, and uh, – but, I mean, I could also see it being a TKO, or it could be a standing KO, or it could be a submission. You know, it's, at this stage, we're all well-rounded, so I just know I'm going to win. Okay, yeah, awesome. And, you know, uh, with so many great fights on this card, what do you think is a great reason to get people to tune into this specific fight? What do you think will separate this fight from the other fights and should give people a reason to really, really pay attention to the matchup that you have ahead of you? So you, you got... Uh, you know, you got two UFC debut guys hungry to make a performance and make sure they're coming in on a winning a winning note on their UFC, de- UFC debut, you know, and uh, just the pressure that I'm going to bring, I, I got to try to break this guy, and uh, that's what I plan to do. You talked a little bit, you know, about your hobbies outside of the ring. Are there any uh, other sports that you dig other than mixed martial arts? Um, n- not not right now. Like, I, when I was growing up, I, I played some rugby and, and soccer and baseball and stuff like that all through high school, but once I kind of got out of high school and was really pursuing martial arts, I didn't uh, didn't really find the time or the energy. Like all my energy went into went into training, and uh, just no no need to risk injury. You know, playing rough sports like like rugby, where where injury level is high. You know, and if I'm gonna be hurting myself, it better be you know in the gym, not not on the rugby pitch. You know. Yeah, and you know, I think you touched on this a little bit before with you getting into the sport. Was there any specific athlete, whether they were involved in the sport or not, that kind of encouraged you and motivated you to really go all out and pursue being a professional athlete? Yeah, BJ Penn, believe it or not, he was uh, my favorite fighter growing up, and just seeing okay. that guy's talent. But uh, he was always getting criticized for his work ethic, and I was just thinking, you know, if that guy had it had a different mindset going in, you know the GSP training and the BJ Penn talent, you know, it's just, that's something that's always kind of inspired me to make sure I'm working hard and still, you know, learning. So I'd say, I'd say BJ Penn is the guy I kind of uh, definitely got serious into the sport because of. Okay. Yeah. You know, BJ, he's obviously, he's a legend in the sport and he is uh, scheduled to make his return against Ricardo Lamas before too long. Uh, How do you see his return going? Do you think that he will be successful there? I mean, I hope so. I really do hope so. He's uh, he's still one of my favorite fighters, and he's got all the talent. It just it depends. You never know how that guy prepares, you know. So it it all becomes on him. I think he's got all the tools to beat Ricardo, and uh, 
it's not like he's getting too old. I believe he's only, you know, 32 or 34 or something, you know, early thirties, which is, is not, not bad to be fighting at that, that weight class or anything like that. He's still fine. And if he's making 45, you know, he's in pretty, pretty decent shape. So, I mean, I, I, I think he'll win that and I hope he, I really hope he does. Sounds good. Well, uh, lastly here, Jeremy, if you have any shout outs or thank yous or anything like that that you'd like to throw out there, we would of course like to give you that chance now. Awesome. Thanks. Uh, thank you guys for having me on and, uh, my friends and family who uh, always support me on all my fights, you know, and, uh, every career move I make, you know, so I want to show to them and all my training partners getting me ready for it. And, uh, just anybody to tune into my fight next week, just uh, make sure you're watching. All right, sounds good. Well, Jeremy, thank you very much for joining us tonight. We wish you best of luck in your fight on Saturday, and we cannot wait to see it. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. That was Jeremy Kennedy. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, guys. I want to thank Rob Mead for helping me co-host. Rob, where can people find you? Check me out on uh, Twitter, uh, at Rob Mead MMA. Uh, follow us on uh our official Twitter at Funky Monkey MMA or uh, check out our website, funkymonkeymma.com. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. Check us out. Yeah, great. And, you know, yeah, uh, like you said, make sure to follow us on, uh, you can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Funky Monkey MMA. Uh, guys, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Kane E. Miller and keep up with the site for the latest interviews, event photos, and analysis pieces. We'll see you next time. You can listen to Funky Monkey MMA Radio on iTunes, Stitzer Radio, Blog Talk Radio, Player FM, Cash Roller, the TuneIn Radio app, MMAFutures.com, LoveMMA.com, MMARecords.com, and FightBookMMA.com. For the freshest news and notes on all things MMA, get over to FunkyMonkeyMMA.com. Interested in sponsoring the show? Then send an email to FunkyMonkeyMMA at gmail.com. You're listening to Funky Monkey MMA.